Welcome to Bartel Radio. I'm Cass Enright. I am Ben Love from Gigantic Brewing Company. My name's Anas Kiesmeyer from Kiesmeyer Beer in Denmark. And I'm Steve Boshane from Bozal Natural. Great. Okay. Hey, guys. We're gathered here today at, <laughs> uh, at the CBC in Portland, um, a, a gathering place of many uh, uh, Canadian brewers and, uh, and others. Uh, and uh, I thought we'd get together to talk a little bit about B-Side. Um, B-Side, uh, B-Side's latest beer came out just a couple of weeks ago um, in Canada, and uh, Ben from Gigantic was up in Toronto, and uh, thought it'd be a good idea, since we're coming down to Portland, to get together and, and talk about how it all came about, and um, about uh, this unique beer concept, and how, how the brewers at the table here have worked together on some cool beers. So. I thought I'd start with you, Steve. Um, how did B-Side come about, and how did the idea um, sort of begin, and uh, how did it get off the ground? Yeah, so hopefully without getting too rambly. <laughs> um, I've always felt that the, the indie music scene and the indie beer scenes are, are very, very interconnected, very, very similar kind of, kind of beings. And, uh, you know, you look at the way that sort of scenes evolve and, and kind of they're very supportive, very collaborative. And uh, the one thing that I kept noticing was that there's one thing that existed only in the world of indie music and didn't, didn't uh, exist in the world of indie beer, and that was the record label. So in, in music... The indie record label is, you know, sort of the umbrella. So all the artists put their, you know, their music in through this one, one umbrella that basically helps distribute it, market it, get it to get it to people. And uh, I kind of had this this fun thought. Well, what if we created a, a record label for beer? And I think it's even more important that it exists in beer because uh, it's a lot easier to ship a record across a border than it is to ship beer across a border. Mm-hmm. So with with Ontario, which, I, you know, not very much of an exception anywhere, it's almost impossible to get a lot of really good beer from outside of the province. And uh, because of developed friendships with some amazing brewers, I thought, well, what if, what if we started a record label for beer but we got to you know made it as an excuse to go hang out with people we like and uh drink a lot of really good beer mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh so that's that's basically how it started and we we talked to anders first about it and uh he was super excited um got on board right away and uh, a year later uh we we asked the gigantic guys and again you know we've been hanging out for for years usually at, at craft brewer conferences mm-hmm. and other drinking venues and uh finally uh and and they said yeah that sounds like a a great idea for us too and so that's that's now how we've gotten it's um you know in a lot of ways what we're doing is 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 like glorified contract brewing um the difference is that we're not for hire Mm -hmm. um we're going out and talking to breweries that we really respect and that we we want to hang out with um, so it's not a matter of we've got excess capacity and, you know, if you've got a few bucks, we'll brew you a batch of beer. We don't, we, we've never contracted with anyone. Mm-hmm. This is very much about trying to create something, especially for people in Ontario. And now that we're selling in Quebec and Quebec as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a great idea and it's one that I think I, I got right away insofar as it felt like it was a way to transcend the borders and bring 
cool brewing and brewery intelligence to Ontario in a way that might be challenging to do traditional importation. Yeah. Um, Anders, you were the first uh, collaborator on B-side with your Kissmeyer Nordic Pale Ale. Do you want to talk about that beer, how that how the recipe came about and, uh, and what it was like to, to brew with uh, Steve and the team? Absolutely. I mean, I was, as Steve said, I was thrilled when I was given the opportunity. Our friendship goes back quite a few years, so uh, uh, we share a lot of uh, philosophies and thoughts. So, uh, so once Steve ta- started talking about this whole beer side, I said, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And for me, it was a golden opportunity because I've actually been trying to to export beer into Ontario and uh, yeah well it's been a couple of cases but it's never really uh, been moving anywhere so this was really a golden opportunity to uh, present my uh, my brand and um, then talking about the beer specifically is is also pretty important to me because over the past few years I've been going very much into this idea of what we call Nordic beer so that this beer is called Nordic Pale Ale is by no means a coincidence because I'm trying, along with a lot of other people, brewers and suppliers, growers and what have you, to develop some more indigenous beer styles representing the area we come from. Instead of doing all the pale ales and IPAs and great stuff, but it's not really ours. So that's uh, what we talked about. So we wanted to make this beer kind of, uh, we call it Nordic Pale Ale, but its ingredients have clear references both to uh, Scandinavia, but also to Ontario. Because that's another idea of mine. When I do collaborations, I, I, I always try to find some elements that truly represent the area where I'm brewing it and some that truly represent me and who, where I come from. Very cool. Um, awesome. So, um, Ben, you're the latest um, addition to the B-side label. Um, the beer left for, uh, left for me, Dad, just came out a, little, a few weeks ago. Um, just like Anders, do you want to talk about how you got involved in the uh, in B side and how the uh, how the beer uh, came about? Yeah, so um, we met we met uh, Steve and Matt, I think probably like eight six or eight years ago at the Craft Brewers Conference in Boston. It's kind of funny because uh, Van and I were together, like hanging out together, but we weren't actually we didn't start the brewery until well, we did was three years old when we started talking mm-hmm. about four years ago you know so that wasn't even a thought at all <laughs> yeah. it's kind of funny that it all came together like that it's really funny yeah yeah and um and so yeah no it's uh steve approached us about doing the beer and, and we thought uh it sounded like a great idea too i mean we really like the the record label concept we love the beers that they make at bose and so it was a pretty easy uh choice like our only concern really was like what whatever beer we do with them is it going to present us in a good life mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so um you know we know they make great beers and uh so we were excited to to take part and and be yeah be on the b-side label um, cool. which is fun but uh yeah as far as the the beer uh we you know we do an ipa and an imperial ipa year round and so we kind of talked initially about maybe doing something along those lines, but specifically for that market. But then we thought we'd kind of take a twist on it and do this uh, uh, Belgian IPA and add the that you know cool yeast character to it as well. And um, so, I mean, the finished beer is great. It was actually a fun project for us because uh, you know since they're organic, then uh, took it took us a while actually to do it. Yeah. We had talked about like launching it last October. And 
Um, but we needed to make sure that we had enough hops for mm -hmm. it. Um, so, you know, hops are in high demand and short supply. And um, so we had to find the right ones and then uh, make sure that we had the source or, you know, the, the right amount. And then uh, it was actually fun for us with this beer to, we did some yeast experiments at our brewery to figure out which Belgian yeast strain would work best uh, with the hops. And we actually had some surprising results as far as, yeah. you know, we had one yeast variety, basically the, uh, the, the Garden yeast, the forbidden fruit yeast that we mm -hmm. thought was going to be, you know, oh, this would probably be great, you know, great pairing. And it wasn't at all, actually. Um, <laughs> this other one, the Trappist High Gravity, which I believe is the West Mall strain. Mm -hmm. um, went great it was actually one of those things like we we tasted them we we're like oh I th we must have like labeled these things wrong or something <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's been it's been an awesome experience yeah. so far well it was amazing i was in the lcbo just last week actually and i was looking on the shelf and i saw the the, the gigantic b-side beer and it was amazing because it looked like it was like gigantic, a gigantic beer. Yeah, like totally. had, yeah. yeah. Distinctive branding and yeah. the, the logo and the the uh, the ginormo. The, yeah, is that, is that's that our thing? robot. Yeah. yeah, like the robot on the, on the, on on the front. Yeah. Um, and so it was like pretty cool. So, I mean, it just like I, I think, I mean, I know Boas cares a great deal about about identity and look, and I, I could tell that it's it's important to gigantic too. Do you want to just talk about sort of? Um, sort of how, how, you know, you mentioned your brewery got started about three years ago, how, mm -hmm. how it all came to be and, um, and uh, just a little bit of, about the, the background of your brewery. Yeah, sure. So uh, Van and I, so I, I, I worked for a number of breweries in, the, in Oregon uh, for Hopworks and Pelican before that. And he worked at Rock Bottom for, I think, like 16 years mm -hmm. and uh, at Minnesota Brewing, which is a defunct uh, big production brewery in Minnesota. But uh, yeah, I mean, we knew each other through just the Oregon beer scene and hanging out together, and uh, we were both on the board of directors of the Oregon Brewers Guild, so knew each other through that, and just enjoyed each other's company. It's kind of funny, we wouldn't really call ourselves, we would be friends, we didn't hang out outside of beer events, um, but uh, we'd kind of chatted about, uh, basically, he, he had a guy approach him to run a brewery that he was interested in starting, and, and he told me about it, and I was like, oh, maybe I could, like, rent some time on your system, bring in my own fermenter, uh, make some beer there. That deal ended up falling through once he realized that this guy didn't know anything about selling beer. This <laughs> <laughs> is a problem. Yeah. And that was that guy's, yeah, it was Van's job to make the beer, the other guy's job to sell the beer. And so he's like, that's not going to happen. And then um, not long after that whole thing fell apart, then uh, Rock Bottom had been purchased by a big uh, investment firm. Mm -hmm. And and they're like, oh yeah, we're not going to change anything. And Sure enough, you know, a few months later, they they went and they were like, "All right, all the rock bottoms are going to have to make the same uh, four beers at every one across the country." And it, and historically, it had been a brewery where they're like, "You guys brew for do, your market." Yeah, some of their own. yeah, tastes are so different. Mm -hmm. And they had gave an interview to a local beer blog, and somehow, like somebody. Uh, Corporate headquarters found out about it. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was Yeah, word came down and he was fired. <laughs> um, it was kind of surprising though. I mean, because he was there for so long and everything. Yeah. But it it was all fortuitous. Like uh, at his party that we had for him uh, over at Belmont Station. Then uh, then him and I were like, you, you know, you yeah. and me, let's hook up. And so um, it was actually. <laughs> It's actually kind of nice that he was unemployed because uh, I was working full time at uh, Hopworks running mm -hmm. that brewery, and so he had nothing to do, and so he could work on our business plan. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and 
Um, so yeah, so I mean, you know, we gave ourselves a certain amount of time to raise some money for it. Luckily, the uh, stock market was shitty, so uh, <laughs> we <laughs> a lot of people were like, "Yeah, we'll invest in you." Um, and and yeah, all the money came together actually reasonably quickly, and basically from friends and family and a couple of business mm-hmm. associates. And uh, we started the brewery, and and the name um, is a joke. You know, I think name for me like naming is the hardest part about brewing. Uh, naming a beer, naming a brewery, whatever. And uh, Van actually came up with it. He was thinking about uh, who we are and who we aren't, you know. And uh, our plan was always to be reasonably small mm-hmm. as a brewery. We, you know, we didn't basically originally we were going to do like thirty five hundred barrels. Now we have capacity for forty eight hundred, and that's as big as we're going to get. We don't have room for any more fermenters, and it's a good size for us. But mm-hmm. uh, but basically, you know, he's thinking about. It, he's like, well, we're never going to be some fucking gigantic brewery. And there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's done. yeah, at the same time, we, yeah, yeah. Same time, we always knew that we were going to sell beer in a lot of places. Um, you know, we're distributed in eight states and uh, British Columbia and Alberta. Too, yeah. New yeah. Zealand, Japan, um, uh, the Netherlands. So, yeah, um, we, we always knew we were going to go kind of far afield because mm-hmm. most of our bottles, most of our beer goes into larger bottles, uh, 22 ounce. Yeah. Models. And so um, it's kind of a wine model. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, yeah, come three years down the road and everything's going great. Yeah, but you're not some big fucking gigantic brewery. No, so. exactly. <laughs> well, and it's kind of fun, like opportunities like, like the one that uh, Steve presents, you know, with like B-Side gives us the opportunity to like, well, to sell beer in Ontario, because I think kind of like Anders, he didn't really say, but kind of alluded to, Ontario's kind of a pain in the ass to sell beer in. <laughs> it's got to That was where you were, it's yeah. not mine. <laughs> um, and, well, and, and I think Quebec is probably maybe harder. Yeah. Quebec's even more difficult. Even yeah. more difficult, yeah. Um, BC, not so much. Alberta, not so much. Uh, yeah, the west of Canada is a bit of the, the Wild West in terms of what... Mm-hmm you know, Canadian liquor laws are. Yeah. And yeah, it's tough in Ontario to, to get in and to sell. Um, who knows what the future may hold. There's supposed yeah. to be some big announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, this has sort of been a great way for you. Seems like for you to dip your toes into the, the yeah. Ontario market a little bit. And, exactly. You know, yeah, and get to hang out with these yeah. guys. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like pluses all around. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's kind of... To me, it's it's a lot more fun now that we've got two breweries on the B side label as well, uh, because when we launched with the the Nordic Pale Ale, uh, people would keep talking, about, "Oh, it's the Bose Nordic Pale Ale." And we mm-hmm. keep saying, "No, this is it's the Kissmeyer the- Nordic Pale Ale." <laughs> yeah. And it really took having a second brewery for people to, to get it. To get it, you know, yeah. like, oh no, this is this is another brewery's beer. It's not just the brand you add to your portfolio. Uh, yeah. As such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause, exactly. Because it's true that I think when you go to, you know, bars and restaurants, they'll say it's the Bose Nordic Pale Ale, and and yeah, I think hopefully this will help to sort of shape it. Well, you tell them I'll come slap them in their face yeah. next time around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like this, this I, I think opens up a lot of really interesting opportunities too along again the same lines as a record label so Mm -hmm. the same way a record label you can do like a split seven inch well we can start doing you know uh you know collaborations between artists at the brewery Mm -hmm. we can start doing you know a package that's got one of different breweries beers you can really start to to do some really cool things that have been 
very normal in the in the record world, but really haven't haven't had a chance to evolve in in the the brewing world. So mm-hmm. it it opens up a lot more interesting things as we start building up a roster, and because we're building a roster with people that are awesome, it's it's easier to make that happen, right? Yeah. Because we're not sitting there going, well, no one wants to work with you know crappy Joe over there. Yeah. You want to work with good people? That is <laughs> paramount in life. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so we've talked a little bit about uh, Gigantic Ben and, uh, and B-Side. Uh, Anders, I just want to you know, hear from you. How is, uh, you know, we're in Portland, we're talking about Ontario, talking about Portland. Um, how is things going for you over uh, in uh, Denmark in your, uh, in your brewery? Yeah, well, it's been, uh, I've, I've, I've been doing this, uh, you know, it's, it's a one-man company and it's a gypsy brewery. Uh, uh, and I've been doing it for a little over five years now. And it's been a roller coaster ride, I would say, up and down with uh, some successes and some um, and some uh, more or less failures. And and um, it, but it's going. It, it's it's really started going well now. To me, it, it it's apparent. It's all about uh, the people out there who distribute and sell your beer. Uh, and I can't do that since I'm a one man company. So I'm just mm. totally dependent on that partner in the market do, doing the right thing. And that, that brings me to say that uh, for me, not just, uh, I mean, the B-Sides collaboration with Bose in itself is hugely important also for me, for the economy of my tiny little brewing outfit. Mm-hmm. But it's meant even more so in the sense that, I mean, I'm a, I'm, pr- I'm a pretty slow thinker, but after a while I started thinking, hmm, if this model works in Ontario with Bose, hey, there is a chance that it might work elsewhere. And one of the things I have going is a huge network amongst brewers, both in Europe and in the States. So for this last uh, year and a half, I've been working on establishing contact with other breweries, both in Scandinavia, elsewhere in Europe, and, and in the US, to work according to the same model. And obviously, you, you get a lot, there are a lot of people who turn you down because they don't have either the necessary capacity in uh, on the production side and they don't have that capacity either on their sales and distribution side and maybe they don't care for me that much <laughs> but, but 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 i've been surprised at how many i've run into who have both of the three uh, care for me and uh, they have the excess capacity so they say hey cool sounds like a cool idea let's, let's start working on that Nice. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, and it goes from uh, a tiny brew pub chain up uh, around Seattle to uh, a huge company like Harpoon, and uh, mm-hmm. we're releasing a, ver- a version of my Nordic Saison uh, early this summer, okay, brewed cool. with Harpoon, so, that, so yeah, so that's awesome. working, and that's yeah. all due to the inspiration I got from the B-sides. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to see that it's working out for, for, for you two guys uh, at Gigantic and, and Anders, and obviously with Bose, and good for the drinkers of Ontario to get some, <laughs> some great new beers in the market. Um, I just want to take a, a couple minutes since we are in Portland at the CBC. Um, yeah. uh, obviously, uh, Portland is a is a mecca for beer. Uh, stats that were announced today: fifty eight breweries in the city. Um, obviously, a, a visit to Portland, um, a must visit, is always gigantic. Uh, but Ben, I, I was hoping I could ask you, as the as the local uh, expert here, what would be a couple uh, good spots for a, a, a beer drinker to check out of a when in the city here. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as uh, breweries go, uh, some of my favorites are The Commons and uh, Breakside. And then, of course, like uh, there's Cascade Barrel House doing mm-hmm. sours, which uh, crazy things with barrels and fruit and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then 
you know, yeah, if you're a beer drinker coming to the town, there's there's a lot of well, pretty much anywhere you go, you're gonna you're gonna find craft beer. beer. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter where you go, there's gonna be a lot of craft beer. Um, uh, we did a nice event last night at a, um, at a strip club, and <laughs> nice. uh, you know, there's jeez, uh, I think they had 20 or 25 taps, all craft. Wow. You know, and that's just how it always is. So, welcome to Portland. You know, <laughs> so nobody looks at the girls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. yeah, I found a, I found in writing an article about Portland for this week. It was hard to put a list together of beer bars, traditional uh -huh, beer yeah. bars, because they're just it's just the norm here. Whereas in a lot of yeah, cities, largely, a lot I mean, of cities that would have like. These are the beer spots. These are the place, and that yeah. exists. Yeah. You know, I mean, like like downtown, you have Bailey's yeah. Tap Room, and they mostly focus on uh, local beers. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you have, which I think, I don't think it's all Oregon, but it's definitely regional. You know, and then uh, you have Apex mm -hmm. down in Southeast. Uh, they have, they get beers that nobody else has. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they basically, uh, if something comes in and they want it. Then they'll buy all of it. <laughs> corner of the market. <laughs> yeah, the corner of the market. Yeah, uh, and right across the street wow. from them is a great place called Beermongers. Uh, very different though, because like Apex has I don't even know. I think like around 60 taps, and Beermongers has eight. You know, but Beermongers is a great spot too. They also have a bunch yeah. of bottles and everything, and it's a it's totally different feel. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of uh, more of like your your friend's basement sort of um it's very homey yeah. um and then you have like you have the classic you have like belmont station which is yeah. the uh probably the, the largest bottle shop mm. in the city and they also have a, a bar there uh, a nice area to hang out and down the street from that is the horse brass pub which yeah. is kind of where it all began yeah legendary yeah, yeah. exactly Outside of the beer, uh, you know, Portland has a great food scene. Right. And so um, there's a lot of restaurants you can find. I'd say that if somebody's coming to Portland, they should look at uh, PDX Eater. Um, you know, and Eater's like a, they have those in cities all yeah. over the yeah. world, I think. But uh, but the one here in Portland's really active, and so you can go on there and find out, like, what the, they have, like, their heat map. Mm -hmm. It has 38 hot restaurants oh, or whatever, you know. Yeah. And so you'll have a mixture of classics and new places. Mm -hmm. I love to eat, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, I, important to me. And most brews too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, most yeah. people in the beer love to That's eat too. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, as we're talking at what is now only two hours officially into the conference, I'm sure there's lots of food and drink in our future. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, I just want to thank you guys. It was great chatting and hearing about uh, about B side and uh, and your breweries. So uh, thanks again and uh, yeah, enjoy the conference. All right, guys. We'll do our best. And the same to you. Cheers. <laughs>